0: Now the point of the first Mishnah is to tell us that when it comes to the prohibition of carrying from one domain into another, for example, from a reshus Hayachid into a shurabim, one is only chayev, one is only liable to the punishments which we mentioned earlier, if he does the entire Melacha himself. Melacha refers to the form of work, and there are three parts to this form of work. The first is an Akira, which is lifting the item up from the domain in which it is standing. The second part is shinu'i Rishus, which means changing its domain, moving it along into the other domain. And the third part is the Hanacha, Putting that item down in the second domain. Now, although midirabonon, it's forbidden to do even any of those things. If you did do just one of them, you wouldn't be any of the punishments because midiraisa you didn't do anything wrong. And this is learned from the pasuk which says that baaseh saw so, when you do it, referring to the malacha, then you'll be which implies that only if you do it, meaning the entire malacha, will you be But if you only did half of it, then you are exempt from the punishment. Begins the Mosekhtah, Yetzirah Shabbos, the Melacha of carrying out on Shabbos, Shtaim Shein Arba, are two, which are really four, and what that means is, there are two scenarios in which one would break Shabbos mid Araisa, and as we explained, that means that he lifted it up, moved the domain, and put it down in the second domain, but there are also two other scenarios where he would have violated Shabbos only mid and that's when he only does half of the Melacha and this applies bifnim for the person who is standing in a ha and exactly the same thing applies for somebody who is standing in a ha rabim which times in Abu chutz so there are two which are really four also for the guy standing outside. Kei how so? what are we talking about? So the Mishnah sets up the case that uses an example of He'oni, a poor person, Oymid Bachutz. he's standing outside in the Rishos HaRabbim, and the owner of the house, Bifnim, he is standing inside in the Rishos HaYochid. Of course, this would apply to anybody who's standing in any of the domains. This is just a simple example of somebody who is standing outside and somebody who is standing inside. So the first case is Poshet Ha'onius the poor person, remember that's the person who's standing in the Rishos in the public domain, he stretches his hand out inwards. So what that really means is he picks something up from the Rishos Harabim, brings it into the Rishos Hayochid, and he puts it down into the hand of the balabayas, the person who owns the house. So he's done all three things. He did an Akira, he lifted it up, he did a shino Rishos, and the hanachai put it down. Or if he takes something from the Balabias' hand, so he lifts it up in the other domain, then moves it into his domain, the Heitzi brings it out, and then he puts it down in his domain, in that case, again, he did all three things, and it makes no difference which way round he does it, and therefore in both of those cases, heronichayev, the poor person, is obligated. And of course, in this case of Balabai's Potter, the Balabayis is exempt because he didn't do any of those three things. And now we're going to have exactly the same thing, but for the man standing inside. Potter Balabai's is Yolo Lachutz. the Balabais who was standing in the Resursa stretched out his hand outside, so he lifted something up, changed domain, and he put it into the hand of the poor person, Or if he lifted something up from the Oni's hand, from the poor person's hand, brought it into his domain, the Hichnes, he brought it in and then put it down, Balabayas Chayev, in that case the balabais is obligated with their only Potter, whereas the poor person will be exempt, so so far we've listed the two cases for each person which are forbidden mid araisa and therefore he will be liable to the punishments. And now we're going to list the two cases for each person, which since they only do half of the Malacha each, they will be exempt from the punishments, however as we explained it is still forbidden mid what are those cases? If the poor person stretched out his hand inside with something in it, but instead of putting it down, the The balabais took it from his hand. And the Balabais put it down. So in that case, the poor person did the first half, but the Balabais did the second half. Or if the Balabais put something into the poor person's hand, the Haitzi and the poor person took out his hand and put it down. Since the poor person didn't do the first part, and the Balabais didn't do the second part, Shneem and they are both exempt. Alright, and final two cases. If the Balabais stretched out his hand outside, so he lifted something up, did the Shinriyashus, but the third thing, the hanochal the putting it down, he did not do. Rather than not the poor person took it from his hand. That's case number one. And case number two is where the Balabai stretches out his hand with nothing in it. and the poor person put something into his hand. So that means that the poor person did the Akira. He lifted the item up. So even if then the Hichnes, the Balabais, brings it into his domain and puts it down, Shnei and P'tun, they are both exempt, because in the last four cases, neither of them did all three parts, neither of them did the Akira, Shnei, Yashus, and Hanacha, and therefore, although it's forbidden with they are not Chayev. Mishnah Bates, the truth is, this Mishnah is also an introduction to Mishnah Gimel, sort of a second introduction, because in Mishnah Gimel, we're going to see how one is not allowed to carry close to Shabbos, in case he comes to carry that on Shabbos itself. But to introduce that, the mission over here is going to bring a few examples of things you're not allowed to do close to the time of Mincha, even on a regular day, in case that activity drags on and you'll end up missing the time for Mincha. Now regarding the time to Daven Mincha, there are two time periods in the afternoon for Davening Mincha. The main time, and really the ideal time to doven Mincha, is Mincha K'tanah, and that refers to the last two and a half hours of daytime, during which one should doven Mincha. However, already from six and a half hours into the day, so that means five and a half hours before the end of the daytime, one can doven Mincha, and that earlier time is known as Mincha G'dayla. Now, according to the way we're going to understand, when the Mishnah refers to Mincha, it's talking about Mincha G'dayla, which is the earlier Mincha, six and a half hours into the day. And the Mishnah says, One may not sit in front of the barber, he cannot begin to have a haircut close to Mincha, and this means within half an hour before the beginning of Mincha G'daylah. So that means six hours into the day, which is actually midday. Already from midday one is not allowed to do this activity, in case something happens, such as the scissors breaking, and I have to wait for a long time, and it might end up being that he'll miss the time for Mincha altogether. Says the Mishnah Ajay's until he davens. So if he's daven mincha already, once he has done that, then he can begin to have a haircut. On a similar note, one may not enter a bathhouse to wash himself, it could get very hot there, he might faint. So he'll miss davening. One can't enter a brusaki which is where they would work on animal skins to turn them into leather. So even if you're not going to work on the leather there, you're not even allowed to enter that room, since if you see something needs to be done, you might do it, and that could be a very long process, which might make you miss the time for mincha. One cannot eat even a tiny meal, in case he ends up eating a larger meal, and it dragging on until after mincha can be davened. One cannot begin to judge a case in court, or even just to give this final sentence, a judge cannot even give a decision before he's daven mincha, in case somebody might argue on the decision, and they might enter length the discussions, even past the time for davening mincha. However, says the Mishnah, all of these are just rabbinic decrees to prevent one from missing the time to daven mincha. And the rabbinic decree was just that you cannot begin to do this, because it might come to drag on, and you'll miss mincha. So the Mishnah says, if you've already begun doing it, and in fact even if you began doing it when you weren't allowed to, let's say at uh, seven hours into the day, you began doing one of these things, e'en mafsikin, you do not need to stop, because in most cases, it does not drag on for so long. Now, if it does drag on, of course, you will have to stop before the time of Mincha ends in order to daven. But before then, you won't need to stop as long as you are careful not to miss the time for Mincha. Now the last case of our Mishnah is discussing something totally different, and that is Tamidich HaChomim who learn Torah all day. They don't have any other job, and all they do is learn. So as the Mishnah seek can increase Kriyashima, Shema, they have to stop their learning in order to recite Kriyas Shema during its right time, because Midor the Torah commands that one has to say Kriyashima Shema twice a day in a specific time. So you cannot allow that time to pass. However, when it comes to Shmona Esrei, Midor at least according to many, the mitzvah of prayer, is just to pray once a day. There's not a fixed time during that day where you have to pray. And therefore, they are seeking its tefillah, these righteous people who learn all day do not need to stop their learning in order to do that in Shmona Esrei in its right time, since Torah learning is considered a greater mitzvah, and at least the Arisa one does not need to damage that Shmona Esrei at a specific time, and therefore they should not stop in order to damage that Shmona Esrei. Mr. Gimel. So finally we've arrived at this case which we've been introducing for the first two mishnayos, And the Mishnah tells us, a tailor may not go out with his needle, and we're discussing a needle which is attached to his item of clothing. So he stuck it into his clothes. He cannot go out like that close to the time that it will get dark on Erev Shabbos. So within half an hour, in case he forgets that he has that attached to his clothes still, and he'll go out like that on Shabbos itself. So he would have ended up transferring that from one domain to another, which of course is forbidden. Now the Mishnah implies that a regular person who is not a tailor could go out with a needle. And the reason for that is because for a regular person to have a needle attached to his clothes is not the normal way that he would carry a needle. And therefore even if he does carry the needle in that way on Shabbos itself, he won't be chayav because he isn't carrying it in the regular way. So although it is forbidden midrabanon to carry it even in an irregular way on Shabbos, since doing it on Shabbos itself is only midrabanon, they didn't decree that you cannot do that before Shabbos comes in. However, since for a tailor, that is the regular way of him carrying a needle, so for him it's forbidden even before Shabbos, since if he did it on Shabbos itself he would be chayev. Similarly, v'la'elav roba kolmosei, a scribe cannot go out with his quill on of Shabbos, close to when Shabbos comes in. And once again over here we're talking about where he carries the quill in a way that only scribes would carry it. For example, behind his ear. So if he did that on Shabbos itself, he would be chayev, and therefore Midyabonon, he can't even do that before Shabbos. However, since a regular person, if he were to carry it in that unusual way on Shabbos, he wouldn't be chayev. It's only forbidden Midyabonon. So before Shabbos, it is permitted. The mission now goes on to discuss a couple of things which are forbidden mid Rabbanon on Shabbos itself, in case you come to do a forbidden thing which is mid lo Lo'yafale'ez Kalov one cannot remove the lice from his clothes v'la Yikra, nor may he read l'urhaner by the light of a lamp, because the lamp was made up of a wick and oil, and as more of the oil was used up, the flame would get less bright, and to fix that one was able to sort of tilt the lamp, and move it about a bit to get more of the oil absorbed in the wick. But of course that is forbidden on Shabbos, just like it's forbidden to light a fire, you can't increase a fire. And so since when you're removing light, or so when you're reading, you need quite a lot of light, you can't do these things next to a candle, next to a lamp, in case you come to tilt the lamp, which would be breaking Shabbos. Now the Mishnah mentions an exception to that, and Be'emes Omru, in truth, the Chachom said, Ha'chazon, which in this case means a teacher of children, He can see how the children read, meaning children are allowed to read by the light of a lamp whilst their teacher is there. Because since their teacher is there, they're unlikely to break Shabbos in front of him. They'll be much more careful, and so they won't come to move the lamp. hula But he himself cannot read there, even if the kids are there, because he's not scared of them at all, and therefore just because they're over there will not mean that he won't move the lamp. Now the Mishnah ends off, that just like we've seen that the Rabbonon made lots of decrees to stop somebody from violating a Ave Rame this is not the case just with regards to the Shabbos. They did it with all sorts of laws, and very similar to this, a Zov who is a man who becomes Tomei in a specific way. He cannot eat together with his wife who is a zova. There is also a woman who becomes Tomei in a specific way, and they have a very high level of Tumah, and the halacha is that if somebody has relations with a Zover or they they are of koris, which is a punishment delivered by Hashem, it's a very severe avira, and so the Mishnah says that a husband and wife, who are both Tomei, they cannot eat together with a aveira because of being used to an avira, meaning because they are used to having relations, if they start eating and having a nice time together, then they might come to have relations, but in this case it's forbidden to have relations, and therefore to prevent them doing that avira, they are not even allowed to eat together. Mishnah Dalad. The Mishnah is going to note something about two of the halochas we said in the previous Mishnah, and that is that one is not allowed to check lice, and one is not allowed to read by the light of a lamp on Shabbos. Says the Mishnah, the V'Eilu, these two halochas min hahalochas she'omru ba'aliyas Chanan ben Chizkiah ben Gurion, they are among the laws, which the Chacham said in the Attic of Chanan ben Chizkiah ben Gurion, k'she'olul v'akrei, when the Chacham went up into the Attic to visit Chanan ben Chizkiah. The reason why he was in an attic is because he hid himself there in order to go through Sefer Yechezkel, because there were some very puzzling parts of that Sefer, and so the Chachom were considering to hide that Sefer away, and so Hanan ben Chizkiah went up to an attic for a long time in order to solve all of the puzzling parts of Yechezkel, some of which seemed to contradict the Torah. Be it as it may, the Chachom were visiting him, and there were many of the greatest people of the generation in that Attic at the time, and so they began arguing about certain things, and Nebunavarabay Shammah Beis Hillel, they voted, and the amount of Chachomim who were members of Beis Shammai were more than the amount of Chachomim who were members of Beis And since the Torah says we follow the majority, be Shammai won, as it were, all of those arguments. And they decreed 18 things on that day, which Be Shammai said should be decreed, and because they were the majority, those decreed were made. And two of those were the two which we mentioned in the previous Mishnah.